the sweet taste of a blowout to welcome you into a new week of Locked On Suns, recapping the Suns' 30-point beatdown of the Charlotte Hornets at home right here on Locked On Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, covering the Suns the past five seasons as a credentialed media member. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. Follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. And as I always say, the best way to support the show is to listen, is to watch, and is to follow. So if you're already doing all of those things, or two of those three things, or one of those three things, you're already doing the number one best way to support Locked On Suns. I want to give this towel away. We are the Valley. I want to give it away so, so, so badly. So please go ahead and help me do that by subscribing to the YouTube channel. If we get to 750, I will send have you guys all send me in proof of your subscription to the show. And then I will send you that towel if you are the one randomly selected. It's that easy. We just got to get a few more subscribers up to 750. And then, of course, Kelly Oubre, the bobblehead, at 1,000. Although maybe he he rings a little bit more hollow these days after uh, a really poor performance on his part and on the part of his entire team. Of course, we are talking about this 137-106 win by the Suns. Lots to get to. Today's show, guys, is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix, daily fantasy made easy. Big takeaway from the Suns 137-106 beatdown. I'm going to use that word. I'm going to I'm going to enunciate beatdown every single time because that's That's the way to ring in a Monday. That's the way to ring in a Monday when the Cardinals fall flat on their faces. I can tell you that. I also hate fantasy football. So I'm going to focus on the NBA and I'm going to focus on the Suns. And that'll make us happy today. And I will say that word beat down over and over because it does feel good. But the big takeaway here is actually we're going to get into the time machine a little bit because this game actually interested me for a few reasons. And one of them, I mean, the big, the big, the biggest one and the other ones are sort of offshoots of it is this the Hornets beat the Suns last season actually at a pretty interesting part of the Suns season after they had started to turn things around already the Hornets came into Phoenix and pretty handily took down the Suns and Gordon Hayward played really well hit sort of a buzzer beater game winning shot in that game if you remember LaMelo Ball had an awesome night And a lot of the conversation at that point centered on the Suns switching defense. Did they have enough? What was the best adjustment? How much did Monty Williams deserve blame? There was a whole hoopla about it. And that same stretch, we also saw the Brooklyn Nets come in and do something similar to the Suns. So, of course, um, that game stuck out, and that's why this one was interesting. Was it going to be a different story? Now, I want to preface everything by saying, early on in this game, I actually think Charlotte did play pretty well. They were getting pretty good shots at the basket. They were playing as a team. They looked like the Charlotte Hornets that can light it up from night to night and are 500 and a, and a pretty competitive squad. 
Um, what really happened early is the Hornets did not make their threes and the Suns did make their threes. And then about halfway through, just, just over halfway through the first quarter, the benches came in, the Suns went on a 12-0 run, extended their lead to 31-9, to and it got ugly. But it wasn't just a matter of the Suns making their shots and the Hornets missing their shots because, look, the Suns, I mean, you know, they only made 23s. It's not as if they rained them down, and a lot of those came late in the game. You know what I mean? So I don't want to over-exaggerate how much the shooting helped, but obviously it played a pretty big role, and you can't ignore it. But still, we saw that the Suns in this game, the difference as I thought back was... Well, one, LaMelo Ball played really poorly. And if he's going to do that, it's going to be pretty easy to beat this team. I don't necessarily know that the Suns did anything special to stop LaMelo Ball. I mean, obviously, Mikhail Bridges did his thing. I think that DeAndre Ayton did a pretty good job at the basket, um, on switches, as a rim protector, all of that stuff. So I don't, you know, that all was, was legit, but LaMelo played poorly. The biggest thing, though, actually goes back to Aiton, and I think that's part of the defensive ability that the Suns were able to have against this team where Ball, Rozier, and Hayward combined for 22 points. You could say Old Town is undefeated. You could say, hey, maybe those guys are about to test positive for COVID, and that's why they were lethargic, and I probably believe you either way, but I also think that defensive ability was, was pretty strong in the versatility because you saw... Aiton block a couple of shots. He actually had three blocks in this game. I think all of them came in the first half. And a lot of those were on switches. They were on, you know, LaMelo trying to dance in isolation. We saw Gordon Hayward get very frustrated, it seemed, in this game. And Cameron Payne blocked his shot from behind. We saw Miles Bridges put up, in my opinion, a pretty empty 26 points. We saw Kelly Oubre trying to attack switches. So, I think the Suns' defense, the Suns' switching defense in particular, has just gotten a whole heck of a lot better since last year. I also think when you have JaVale McGee able to slide in in the backup center spot and it just creates 48 straight minutes of rim protection, that's just a different dynamic. And for a team in Charlotte that already struggles to just push the ball and get it inside, it gets pretty easy to defend them when they're not going to attack the basket because you have that rim protection and they struggle to always get great shots down the floor and their best player doesn't have it in a given night. Those things all add up and you're able to just really, really put the clamps on. But in addition, the Suns were amazing in this game turning defense into offense. They got 13 points off of Hornets turnovers. They got 19 fast break points total and I would say that doesn't even tell the whole story. I don't think that that fully captured just the overall transition offense, the semi-transition offense, just those quick hitting shots that the Suns feast on when they're right. And that's the other part of this that I think is really flipped from last season is the Suns do not allow you to make mistakes. And if you're going to play small, you better have a plan. You better have ironclad defensive perimeter defensive ability because if you don't if you're not the Golden State Warriors who are one of the only teams I think we've actually seen hurt the Suns by defending that way you're not going to get away with it because the Suns are going to run in transition and they're going to have DeAndre Ayton on a seal 
And not only has he gotten better as a scorer, but he's gotten better as a passer. So they're going to get a good shot out of that. You're going to have Mikael Bridges, one of the best three-point shooters and transition scorers overall in the entire NBA. You're going to have Landry Shamit with the green light. You're going to have um, any of these ball handlers willing and able to attack a mismatch. There was just so many times in this game where you saw Charlotte somehow end up with the complete wrong person on a Suns player, a Suns weapon, and have nothing to do, you know, no recourse. No recourse to stop it. No quick double team, no re-switch to get the guy out of trouble and get somebody more equipped out on the perimeter defensively. There were possessions where Mason Plumley was defending on the perimeter because of a bad switcher, a bad cross-matching situation in transition. They had this plan to like we've tried you know like we've seen teams like the Warriors do although let me just preface by saying that is hardly a comparison because when the Warriors do it they have Draymond Green out on the perimeter in this case it was PJ Washington trying to start out possessions guarding Chris Paul so that if there was a switch with DeAndre Ayton they were not in a mismatch that didn't work either PJ Washington had a terrible game their backup and really pretty much their their best center their their preferred center. He plays more minutes than Mason Plumley, So all of it was bad. The Suns are just so well-equipped at this point in time to punish you when you make a mistake, when you don't have the, the matchups the way that you want them. And again, it's that beatdown that we ended up seeing take place is just all of those things accumulating, accumulating together and the Suns just stacking possession after possession onto each other like we know that they can do. And the end is... Nine players in double digits, a complete balanced performance like we've gotten so used to seeing. Nobody over 20 points. I believe Kellen Olsen had it that that is the fifth time that that has happened where the Suns have won a game with nobody scoring more than 20. Nobody played more than 30 minutes. Dare I say, Dynasty Spursian in the way that they have gone about business lately and just waiting for a test. I think we'll get one on Christmas. But I want to talk about Devin Booker and his return to the lineup after missing two or so weeks with this hamstring strain. I believe it was seven games. So I'll talk about what I saw from that and what he opens up for the offense as a whole, even when he doesn't explode himself. First, though, a quick word from Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? Well, it's not too difficult to guess. It's a business scam. So don't let greedy corporations pocket your money Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or that you maybe just forgot about. Companies love to make subscriptions hard to cancel. They love to not remind you when it's about to renew. They love to up the price without telling you and then make it hard to even find where to go to cancel. Well, Truebill makes that incredibly simple. You just link your accounts to Truebill. It will monitor them for you. Cancel the unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge will even look over what you have going on and suggest cancellations that you might have missed. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. That's truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Devin Booker returning to the lineup after seven missed games, 26 minutes played, 16 points, five assists, six rebounds, just one turnover. Um, the Suns starting lineup 
today, had just five turnovers. Just I have to say that because that is incredible, the level of execution that they were able to put down on Charlotte. And I think that's where you got to start with Devin Booker as well because there were times. I mean, you have to be realistic and, and honest here looking at what the Suns were able to do. They only lost five games during Booker's absence. I believe they were five and two. One of those was um, part two of the Suns-Warriors doubleheader over or th- over the course of that week. And so that one was obvious. And then, of course, uh, the game last week that I'm spacing on that they lost. So I think it's obvious to say that in those offensive performances, there were some strains. There were some slogs. It was not always pretty to watch the Suns try to score points with Booker out, especially because Chris Paul, outside of a couple of moments here and there, was largely not even looking to score. And that's because they, they, he didn't have to, and their defense has been so good, and their execution late in games has been so good that you know they are not afraid to grind out a 105-99 win. We've seen, that, we've seen that a lot of times already this season, but that's still not what you necessarily want to have it be that difficult every time. And so Booker getting in tonight just shows you how much he opens things up. I specifically thought of one set that I actually think, I don't know if it even really qualifies as a full-on offensive set, but it was sort of one of those telekinetic communication types of things that uh, Booker, Aiton, and Paul have just developed from playing together so long. And it was, I believe... Um, early in the game. It might have been actually early when Booker checked back in in the second quarter. But either way, it was a quick two-man game. Booker brought the ball up, gave the ball to Paul. They set up sort of a Spain pick and roll where you could see, okay, Booker's sort of involved in this action. It looks like he's trying to set a screen. And then he, he almost played it like he was a a safety in the box in the NFL where he's trying to to trick the offense about whether he's going to blitz or not. And all of a sudden you just see Booker backpedal. I'm not screening anymore. I'm spacing the floor. He spaces way outside. Paul and Aiton run a quick two-man game. Aiton screens. Paul drives down. But you can tell right away he's about to give the ball to Booker. And it's the fact that he's spacing so far away. The minute that his man steps closer to that pick and roll to try to help, the ball's going to Booker, three-pointer. I don't even remember if he made it. I actually don't think he did. But it almost doesn't matter because you just see, I believe LaMelo Ball was his defender on that play, how much attention has to be paid to Booker when he's out there. I mean, that's just, it sounds so obvious, but it helps you to remember that what Booker does in this offense is not always just going out and, and scoring. I mean, it is... He does score, and that's a huge part of what he does, but it's not, you know, give the ball to Booker, drop the ball down to Booker, and let him go to work, right? That's just not what happens, and so it's helpful to remember that a team that relies on and benefits from its system so much, that system's predicated on Booker getting attention and Booker having opportunities to space the floor, to move off the ball, to have the ball in his hands sometimes, to do all the different things that he does, and it opens things up so, so much. So that is one small encapsulation of it. Obviously, in addition to that, the five assists, you're not getting that from Landry Shamit. I mean, 
I was hopeful maybe there's still there is still plenty of time in the season, but but Landry Shamit's not really a playmaker. That's not been what he's done on this team. So five assists from your two guard, five assists from your uh, small forward, even in, in Mikhail Bridges, this team had 35 assists tonight. So I think that is a clear byproduct as well. Having another guy in Booker in that starting lineup at all, you know, in the lineup at all times, basically between Paul Booker and Payne, who can make things happen when the ball comes to him. Um, This all might sound very obvious, but I guess it's just, it's worth remembering how much he makes this system go, how much he can do on his own, and the fact that they were 5-2 and without him, and he's now back. You know what I mean? It's, It's just all of that kind of combined together where you remember like, oh God, yeah, they were a juggernaut and a machine and a well well balanced just juggernaut without him and he's part of the team <laughs> like uh he 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 certainly is not going anywhere so uh we'll get to some bench talk here as i like to do and i also want to uh actually bring back an old recap segment so we'll get to all of that in a quick second first though a word from bill bar this holiday season grab the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, and covered in chocolate, but most impressively, low in calorie sugar, net carbs, and fat, and stacked with protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. Built Bar gives you that extra feel you need to bust down the mall doors and battle holiday shoppers, or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something that you need to keep going, so throw one in your jacket or purse and you never know when you might need it this holiday season. If you want to cozy up with something warm, maybe dip that dip that Bilt Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa, let it melt a little bit, and give your beverage a bit of that Bilt Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have that melted down Bilt Bar to go with it, nice and chewy and soft and sweet and creamy and all the number all the great things that you love this time of year. So go to Bilt.com, use the promo code LOCK15, try your old favorite, maybe try something new, new flavors coming throughout the holiday season. Use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Today's show also brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march to and through the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all sports action this holiday, or this, this holiday season, sure, and all the way through into 2022. Head to that new updated desktop site or mobile app make an account today and when you do use the promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus that's promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account from basketball and football to the NHL boxing UFC and even your favorite Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers across the bet online website bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online where the game starts. Closing out the show, bringing back an old favorite of these recap segments. It's it's my favorite. I don't know which ones you guys like. Let me know. I, I don't I don't always hear from you about what you do and don't like. I, I saw one comment on YouTube that said people liked the beanie, the, the locked on beanie, the locked on slash Carhartt beanie. Um, thank you. Feel free to tell me what you like and don't like, but I think this Aiton segment is a good one. And it is how many free throws did DeAndre Ayton take? And it was something I did last year all the time. And then I've told you guys lately why I don't do it, which is 
Well, I don't think he actually has to get to the free throw line to be effective. But that said, he's been doing it more lately. And it, I think I'm going to talk about it in a little bit more tomorrow on, an, on the off day show because I actually want to talk about his all-star candidacy, but it's all one and the same. It's all together. He has been expanding his game and there's no denying that. I believe he, it's, it's very narrow, so I don't want to get out of hand with it, but he is, I think, averaging the most free throw attempts per game of his career. And over the, basically since December started, he's had free throw attempt games of 7, 11, 5, 3, and then now 4. That's very low. I don't want to compare him. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the second coming of Joel Embiid or anything, but Aiton is somebody who has had long stretches of games with zero free throw attempts. In fact, Thanksgiving week against on the road trip against San, uh, San Antonio, Cleveland, New York, and Brooklyn, he had two zero zero and zero free throws. So that's familiar to us, right? So with that stretch, since the clock, the calendar switched over to December, I think it's worth noting. And the way that I think it's happening in some part is the increased confidence doing more on the catch when he's in the pick and roll. And it's just another way that his diversification of his game in those spots is really helping him. I've been preaching about it for weeks now. The fact that he can pass when he catches the ball, that he can take one dribble and dunk it like vintage Amari Stoudemire, the fact that he has the floater, the fact that he can turn it into a quick post-up seal if the defender is smaller than him, all these little things, not to mention the little flips and layups and all the little types of shots that he has. This is one more way that growing his game there is helping him because if he can take that one dribble or if he can settle into a quick post-up or, you know, he's having that confidence with the different types of shots, that's making it so that the defense is in more of a panic, is trying to, or I guess having to respond and react to him in a way that they weren't before. And so even if he doesn't always play with the level of physicality and roughness, toughness that we want to see from him in those situations, it still makes an impact on the defense and it forces them to foul him. And so four free throw attempts tonight, is sort of also a little bit of a lie because he only played 24 minutes. I think all of those free throw attempts came in the first half, if I'm remembering correctly. And so, uh, great game from him. Great game from him, and I'm going to have to talk about him more. The other one I want to do here, another, actually a new recap segment. So we'll do a quick drum roll, and that doesn't sound good on the audio, so I will do it very quietly. But it is the JaVale McGee hit list. And I have to bestow the great honor of being the inaugural first ever member of the JaVale McGee hit list to one more drum roll very quietly PJ Washington of the Charlotte Hornets four of 13 from the field two of nine from three not all of that is just because of JaVale McGee but McGee led the team in scoring tonight and in that fourth quarter I mean, things were already hopeless. The best you can do if you're Charlotte at, and that, at that point is you can see across the bench there, across the floor there at the opposing bench, hey, those guys are, they're trying to rest in this fourth quarter and let's not let them. 
Rather than let the, rather than not let the Suns rest, what the Hornets went out and did was get beaten to shreds by JaVale McGee and the game was over, allowing even JaVale to go back to the bench and rest and Jalen Smith played the final three minutes, uh, nine minutes of the fourth quarter. So it's just the relentless energy. I mean, it's, it's not even only that, but it was also by that point, they were so stymied by JaVale. They didn't have the size because they didn't want to play Mason Plumlee because he couldn't defend the way that the Suns were spreading Charlotte out. And so they had PJ out there. They were PJ was so freaked out. He doesn't really play with a lot of physicality on defense. He he's not a full-time center. He should not be used like that. And twice in the early moments of the fourth quarter, JaVale just completely sidestepped his guy, PJ, for layups. There was one one play where Mikhail uh, McGee drove it from the three-point line and laid it in with his left hand, his left hand. And uh, it was just bad. It was bad. And Charlotte should be embarrassed. They should not be allowing JaVale McGee to look like he is Hakeem Olajuwon or Nikola Jokic or Carl Anthony Towns out there because he has a role. And if you let him go out of that role and actually still beat you, then you deserve to be on this kill list. Hit list. Wow, I got I got very violent there. Hit list, not kill list. Um, nobody was murdered on the floor tonight. Uh, last but not least, it's bad. It's it's a it's a it's an unfortunate note to end on, and I'm only doing it because it was a brutal win. The Suns beat down of the Hornets. There was the one last beat down for you. Um, it's Alfred Payton, and it's the bench mob vibe check. And I just have to say, I do not think Alfred Payton will be getting minutes again here. I think Monty, now that Booker is back, will go back to a nine-man rotation like we saw for most of the beginning of the season. They will wait for Nader to get back if that's ever going to happen. They will maybe the, you know, here and there, we might see Peyton, we might see Ish Wainwright, and then they'll fill their extra roster spot with the buyout guy or a trade or something like that. And we will not be seeing much of Alfred Peyton anymore because... He got an opportunity to play a little bit more. You could tell Monty made that point because, again, they were playing a nine-man rotation most of the year. So having the 10th man in Peyton actually be part of the real rotation tonight was something Monty obviously wanted to purposefully do. And and Peyton did not answer that call. His first three-minute stint of action, he got called for two fouls and had two turnovers. He ended up playing 16 minutes and had six turnovers and four fouls. Ten. Ten total between those two mistake categories. Now, I'm not saying every foul's a mistake, but all things said and done, ten of those mistake plays. Awful. And 0 of 3 from the field, one assist, one rebound. You can't, you cannot do that little to impact the game in 16 minutes and expect to, to continue to play in the rotation. Um... I don't know if he's somebody who the Suns will try to buy out or any of that. It's just hard to really have that flexibility and it's not always worth doing because at the end of the day, the Suns are good enough to make do even with Peyton playing with that level of mistake, but um, he's just not helping the team. He just hasn't helped the team much all year. His on-ball defense, obviously, is is the one great redeeming quality of his. But everything else, 
decision-making, shot-making, team defense, turnovers. It's not good. And so I don't want to be too bad about it, but this one was just particularly egregious. You could just really see him making those mistakes out there, and he didn't do a whole lot of good stuff either. So not his, not his best night, not indicative of who he is as a player all the way, but I don't see Monty sticking with it. So we'll stick, we'll, we'll, we'll close with that one. And uh, heading into an off day, I will not be going anywhere. I'll be right here. Thanks for making Lockdown Suns your first listen, folks. I want to talk about DeAndre Ayton's all-star candidacy. I've already decided it. I might actually talk a little bit about Daniel House. So stick right here. Subscribe if you haven't already. Enjoy your Monday. Start to a shortened week, a shortened work week. So that is the benefit here. And I will talk to all of you guys then.